Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, so today we're, 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 we're talking about spiritual reading. Um, as of right now, this is going to be the only time we do this. But, you know, the Holy Spirit may lead us and we may say, you know, we kind of need to do a part two of this. But right now, this is the only one plan. Um, before we jump in, I want to ask you guys, when you are reading the Bible, what is happening? Like when you read your Bible at home on, or when you're listening to it on your run or you're exercising, like what is happening when you are reading the Bible? What do you think is occurring when you are reading or listening to the Bible? Not a trick question. Challenging your thinking and shaping your character. Okay, that's good. That's powerful times, Fred. I think it's just forming you. It's forming you um, sort of regardless of the way you're reading it. It is formative regardless how you engage scripture. You're getting to know God. You are getting to know God. Amen. Anyone else? What is happening when you're reading the Bible, whether you read in the evening, afternoon, again, listening to it if you work out? Long drives, like what is happening, Iggy? I think it, sometimes it resets my mind. Just being exposed to a lot of news and like secular stuff. Amen. I read. It gives me a picture of what like was going on at mm. the time, and I can kind of imagine it, like Christ in the situation, you know, um, or Powerful. So it gives you an image of the world that those guys walked in. Sarah and Jesse. Um, I've been listening to it on my commute to work, and it's been very grounding for me. Like, I just feel a lot more grounded going into work and a lot less scatterbrained. And yes, it's a lot more peaceful. Amen. Jesse? Yeah, I think for me, it very much depends on what I'm reading. So. You know, if I'm reading, like, Philippians, it can be very, like, calming and give me, like, a great sense of, like, grounding for the day. But then I might read the Psalms, and I'm, like, a little unsettled and, huh, that was kind of weird. Or I might read, like, Numbers, and I'm, like, I just read four chapters, and now I'm going to go to work. Like, the experience of it is very dependent on what I'm reading, but also, of course, approach. How I approach it, because I think in the case of reading numbers, sometimes I can approach it like, oh, I'm just reading this. I'm not going to get anything out of it, and you kind of get out of it what you want to get out of it. Amen. Amen. I think that's Lincoln. You could add add a thought to it. No, just just saying. um, You know, what is God trying to trying to tell me? Uh, Because every verse in the Bible is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Amen. So connection. Connection. You know, one of the hard, most of us, and I know there's varying degrees and different spiritual backgrounds we have here. And I know I'm just speaking generally as I've engaged with disciples here, as I've engaged with disciples across America. Most of us usually read the scriptures more from a a studying perspective, like we are really good at finding out what the Greek word means in this particular passage, the context, and all these things are important, trust me. I think especially when you're preparing to do sermons or anything else, it's important that you do a lot of this stuff. 
But we have kind of taken kind of a sermon preparation mode or teaching mode into just how we read the Bible mode. And that can be inspiring for some people and that could be daunting for other people. You know, just like, okay, what lexicon and concordance and Greek commentary and Greek dictionary and what what do I need here? You know, you end up setting up your quiet time. You got like seven different colors for different things you're about to do. And everyone looks and just like, okay, you read that. And you tell me what the Lord said. Like, we, we want other people to read it. And, and, and I think um, that's good if you're really into that. But if you're not into that, what ends up happening is a season of inconsistency. So it has to be like, yo, I need my two hours in the morning to really tear this thing apart. But 10 minutes becomes daunting. You know what I mean? Where you're like, I can't get in anything in 10 minutes. Some of us come from a spiritual background where... If you're in this fellowship for more than three years, this kind of gets um, trained out of you. But, you know, the wind blowing like you just. Ah, man, what does Amos 9.13 says? The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will overtake the plowman and the planter by the one shredding grape. New wine will drip from the mountain and flow from all the hills. I think God is saying I'm going to get a new job. Let's go. And, you know, you read it like that and you're like, okay, like, what am I supposed to do with this? This this truth that came from the Holy Spirit and you like maybe it didn't come from the Holy Spirit. Maybe it just came from you opening that page. But it's really important. Spiritual reading. I'm calling it that as opposed to just studying because it is an invitation to participate in God's story. It is an invitation, not necessarily to look for the rules, though the rules are important. What God wants for us is important, but it's an invitation to participate in the story of God. And scripture reading is an important spiritual discipline, regardless of how you engage the scriptures. This is one of the most clearest ways to understand who God is. And it's very important that we do it. But spiritual reading doesn't seek to master the Bible, but it seeks to participate in the story. It doesn't examine scripture with a high degree of suspicion. It allows scripture to examine the reader and the hearer. And so we are talking about spiritual reading as we study out deep waters and getting the most we can from scriptures. And so I want to I'm going to say this over the next course of however long we're doing this next eight more classes. The purpose of biblical reading, the reason we want to read the scriptures. The goal of our reading is to live appropriately before God. And that's tough sometimes to remember. That's why you opened up the scriptures and that's why you started reading the scriptures. It's tough to remember that. There's a lot of other components of it that's good, like God loves you and you want to find that out. God cares for the poor. You want to find that out. God has a deep heart about justice. But ultimately, as you are reading and meditating on the scriptures, they are to call you to appropriate life before the living God. And that's very important that we understand that. So... Let's go to Psalm chapter one. It's not really chapter one. It's like the first Psalm, but I just am in the habit of saying chapter one. Can I get a volunteer to read that? Psalm one. Go for it, Connor. Psalm one. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. 
Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Amen. You know, Psalm, Psalm 1, the Hebrew Bible is broken up into three parts. So it's the Torah, which is the first five books. It's the Nehavim, which is what we would consider the history, literature, and the prophets. And then it is the writings, which is what we would consider wisdom literature. And then adding two historical books in um, Ezra and Nehemiah. But this is the beginning of the third portion of the Torah. And it begins here for a very important reason. It begins here saying, how do you live the blessed life as a follower of the God of Israel? There are certain things you don't do, but there is something that you do do. And what you do is delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. That word meditate in Hebrew is the, the Hebrew word Haggah. I said this last time. Anyone remember what Haggai is? Haggai. What does it sound like? Like, how y'all? Sounds like a karate move. Haggai. What does Haggai mean? Yes. It's like a dog gnarling on a bone. Like, how many of you have dogs and ever seen a dog do that? Like, just zero in on the bone. It's just like you are taking scripture, you are meditating on God's Torah. Torah meaning listen, God's instruction, and you are chewing on it. You are thinking about it. You are contemplating it. You see, that person who hagaz God's word, who chews on it consistently, that person is like a tree planted by a stream of water. That's the best location to be planted. You are consistently yielding fruit. You prosper. And so the scriptures are inviting us to be the person in Psalm 1 that's rooted, that's a God, that's chewing on God's law day and night. So how do we do that? God speaks and we listen. God speaks and we listen. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Can I get someone to read that? God speaks and we listen. 1 Timothy 4, 13. God speaks and we listen. Can I get a volunteer to read that? 1 Timothy 4, 13. Lincoln. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Amen. Till I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and teaching. What do you think Timothy, why do you think Paul wants Timothy to do this? There's practical reasons, and I think there's actually potentially even deeper reasons. But what, what are the practical reasons why Paul would tell Timothy to do this? Fred. Nobody had Bibles at that time. <laughs> Not too many people carried it. Mostly it was in synagogue to synagogue, so that's the practical reason to show up to a synagogue and... Read the scripture, the scripture of the day, whatever that would have been. But what are some other reasons why Paul would tell Timothy to do this? Why would Paul tell Timothy to vote yourself? I mean, we can have all kinds of great things to say about scripture, but it's a little presumptuous to think that God didn't say it perfectly to begin with, that if we just read his word well, mm -hmm. it'll do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. How many of you in your lifetime have read more than 50 books in your lifetime? Okay, I'm going to up the ante. 
100 books in your lifetime. Okay, we're getting some veterans here. 200? Come on, Irene, I see you, sister. Irene's a reader. Okay, Irene, 300? Oh, let's go, Irene, I love it. Okay, let's still, that's still amazing, Irene, I love it. She was a school teacher, she's practicing what she was telling those kids in her class to do. So, most of us in here have read more than 50 books, but most of us couldn't even recall what we read. You, you, you recall a general gist and whatever, but you really couldn't recall what you read. Like, if I asked you, what, what did you read two years ago? You're like, I have no idea. And then someone's like, hey, did you read The Great Gatsby? You're like, yes, but I more remember the movie than I do the actual book. But I thought the book was great. When we hear God's word, it does something different than when we read God's word silently. Like, it's, it, it just does something completely different. You know, when people read the Bible well, when they read it well, it just stirs you up. It, like, gets you up. It's like, whoa, that's there? Like, that's in there? Like, at the marriage retreat, Chip Mitchell said um, in Colossians, the hope you find in Christ. I was like, wow, I read Colossians like a billion times, and I even have it highlighted in my Bible. But him saying it, I was like, yeah. The hope in Christ. I heard it. Something connected to me in a meaningful way. Now, how many of you make it your practice to read the Bible out loud? You know, most of us were trained to read it, trained to read as adults silently. No one wants to hear you and you don't want to hear yourself. So we were trained to read it silently. But if we read it out loud, I almost I'm willing to wager some of us will stop and be like, did I just read that? Did that just say what it says? Sometimes you even connect repeated phrases because you hear it out loud consistently. So you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Paul says, so that, da 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 so that, da 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 so that. Like, man, there's a lot of so that's. How many so that's are there? Like, oh, what is he talking about? Oh, Jesus did this so I could be this. Jesus did this so I could be this. Jesus did this so I could be this. Oh, my gosh. I think Jesus died so I could be transformed. Was that what Steve was talking about this past Sunday? <laughs> like, hopefully that resonates and it connects. But I think a lot of times we don't listen to the Bible. We don't allow the Bible, like Paul says here, the public reading of Scripture. I want to give us a challenge. If we're going to have spiritual reading, if we're going to people who read spiritually, we have to be in the habit of listening to the Bible, whether you read it yourself or whether you listen to it on an audiobook or audio Bible. Any, all you, and I, I suspect everyone in here has the Bible app. It's free. So if you don't have it, I encourage you to get it. You will not pay a cent. They will ask you for donations. And if you're a generous Christian, you should support them. But if you're not a generous Christian, the Lord be with you as you grow in your convictions. Um, but it is free. It is free. Listen to the scriptures and they and they give it in different translations too. like the NIV has the audio New American Standard Bible. I, they got the King James for you King James lovers out there. And you just want to hear that old English. It is free. So when God speaks, we listen. When God speaks, we take in like, God, what are you saying here? What are you doing here? Um, 
when you guys are sharing, why do you read the scriptures? When do you share that? You know, I'm trying to figure out like, what is God saying? What is he doing? What is God showing? There's a lot of stories where God isn't even present. Like the book of Esther, God's name is not even present. And yet it's in the Bible and we're reading it. And we're trying to figure out like, God, what are we doing here? And in what way am I being invited to participate in your story? But first and foremost, we start with listening to the scriptures listening. There's usually, when I'm reading the scriptures, usually a phrase or two jumps out to me. You're going to share something, Lincoln. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, um, you know, we didn't have written Bibles until like 300 years ago or something. Right. So it just makes me wonder if, if the Bible was, the authors wrote the Bible to be read out loud. It, you know, it, that's the way it was meant to mm -hmm. communicate it out loud. So it's, it's oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that none of us need to go and learn to read Hebrew, though, would bless the church if you did. And none of us need to learn to read Greek, though, would bless the church if you did. But if you listen to the, the, the Psalms in Hebrew, you would hear the rhyming even as they pronounce it. I was listening to a Jewish rabbi read Psalm chapter 23, and I was like, oh, this kind of flows. It looks like he's kind of rapping a little bit. And it was like, but in English, what are you going to do with some of these words, right? Like, you're like, the Lord is my shepherd. It doesn't really rhyme with, and I shall, um, and I shall not lack nothing. Those two words don't rhyme, but that's what they mean in Hebrew. But in Hebrew, they're kind of like, the Lord is my shepherd, so I'm going to make pie. You're like, whoa, that's amazing. And you're like, those things work. Shepherd pie, if you, that's a food. But it's supposed to like, it's supposed to be wordy, but because it gets translated into English, it doesn't work. So you say, amen. It just doesn't work. But we are called to listen to God's word. We are called when God speaks to listen. The, 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 the prayer, Deuteronomy 6, hero Israel, Shema, listen, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, hear. And that's really important. Our hearing is so critical. Jesus consistently encourages us, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. But I think a lot of times when we're reading the scriptures, we read it silently so we don't hear it. We may underline a phrase. But I think if we're reading out loud, it starts, phrases starts to pop out even more. God speaks and we listen, finding ourselves personally engaged. In Psalm 1, the word hagab means to meditate. When God speaks, we listen and we find ourselves personally engaged. You see, after we hear God's word, we want to meditate on the word that we just heard. This requires a great degree of slowing down. Like how many of us read, I, and I know I'm guilty of this, we read the Bible five minutes before we go do something. Maybe we just knock it off on the checklist. You, you, you're one of those souls that just feels guilty if you didn't read the Bible. So it's like three minutes before you go to sleep, you lean over, you read Psalm, Psalm maybe Psalm 33 because it's a short Psalm. It's like two, 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 two sentences. And so you're like, oh, I read, had a quiet time. And then you go to sleep, but you don't slow down long enough to meditate on what God said. Like God is inviting us to engage. He's inviting us to hear him, but we need to meditate. And meditation is becoming, in vogue, is becoming vogue now, but I'm not talking about the Hindu meditation. I'm talking about ancient Hebrew meditation, Haggah. Meditation, you know when you're doing meditation correct, 
is when your imagination starts to expand. When you look at Psalm 1 and you're not like, what the heck does that mean? You walk away from Psalm 1 and you're just like, oh, I see it. I see it at the workplace. I see it in my relationship. I see it over there. I see it. You read um, John 15, remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. And you're like, oh, I see it now. I see it when I go to the workplace. I see it when I go to the gym. I see it in our political struggle. I see it in everywhere I go that if I remain in him and he remain in me, I will bear much fruit. And I see that if I don't remain in him, I bear no fruit. Your imagination, once you start meditating, expands. You actually start doing the hard work of your spiritual formation better than I can even do it when you are meditating on God's word. You walk away and you will be a more aware Christian of where you stand and how you're being formed. Way better than I could if you just sat here year in, year, week in, week out listening to me preach. You'd be like, oh, that was nice. And then you go, but meditation. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20. Can I get a volunteer to read that? Verse 20 through 21. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Paul is in the midst of a reflection of the, the amazing bride that the church is. And he closes that reflection a little bit with this prayer here. Ephesians chapter 3, verse. Go for it, Chanel. Paul says to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. You know, a lot of times when we approach the Bible, we have to approach it with a sincere question. Do I believe what I read? We are in a secular world where it's easy not to believe what you read. It is easy to look at the scriptures and say, I just saw Jesus say what, do what, heal who, Red Sea. Oh, my gosh, I don't know. I just want to stick to scriptures that feel more tame and more controlled for me to approach. But if we read it as if God really said it, as if Jesus really said it, <clears throat> as if this what we read is actually very true, that starts to expand our imagination. You start to become someone who actually believes that heaven and earth can come together and that God has given you his Holy Spirit to be used by him in a powerful and meaningful way in all areas of your life. You see, meditation is the beginning of participation. God speaks, we listen, we find ourselves personally engaged. God speaks and we listen, finding ourselves personally engaged and in need of responding in prayer. When we read scripture, we hear God speaking to us. We hear God's will, especially when it's actually God speaking. Sometimes there's Satan speaking in the Bible, too. He's in Job. And we don't want to we don't want to be submissive to that. But there's parts of the scriptures where God is speaking to us and we hear him speaking to us. Prayer is our response to that. What we're reading. Prayer is God. You said this. You said to the rich young ruler, if you give away everything and, and, and God, I don't know. I mean, it, it's really tough. Like. I'm generous. I'm extremely generous. But all the other stuff that the rich young ruler said he's kept as a boy, I don't keep as a boy. Am I lacking that, God? Can I even live like that perfectly? 
Is that even is that even possible? God, I'm going to go to work and my whole job is about acquisition. It's all about making more money. And you're calling me to live radical and you're calling me to a generous lifestyle and you're calling me to be an ambassador in the different places. Can this line of thinking work well in the workplace? Will I be alienated? Will I lose my job? Will I just have to? You are engaging God or you're like, God, you said as far as the east is from the west, my sins are separated. Thank you. Like, thank you. I carry my sins everywhere I go, but I need to be reminded, Lord, that you said my sins are they're so written off the book. I'm forgiven. I need to walk in that mercy that I have. I don't need to guilt myself off of the areas where I failed and experienced my failure as a person. But I need to remember your unfailing love, your your hasad, hasad. And so prayer is really important. God wants more than just our listening. He wants us responding and our responding is in prayer. He wants relationship. God speaks and gives us the gift of speech so we can speak back to him. So we could connect with one another and we could speak to him. You know, the Psalms are, are filled with prayers of intercession. They are filled with people wrestling with God and his desires and what God expects of his people. And then you have this incredible scene in the scriptures where God says, you know, Moses, I'm going to destroy the Israelites. They are just an unfaithful people. And Moses comes in and he speaks to God. He says, don't do it. What are the people going to say about you? They're going to say, you can even take us to the promised land. Second, these people are stiff necked, but they're your people, man. Let's roll. Like, he was able to communicate with the living God and change his mind. Now, some of you read the Bible and you're like, no, man, I got, I'm of the persuasion that God never changed his mind. Even in that situation where it looked like he changed his mind, he actually didn't change his mind. He always knew he was going to do it. Even if Moses never said anything, it was going to happen. I challenge you to keep reading the Bible and see if that, that line of thinking holds up. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, start in Genesis, Genesis 1.1. You go from there to Revelation, see if that line of thinking holds up. But it is a call, prayer, prayer, God speaks, we listen, finding ourselves personally engaged and in need of responding in prayer. God speaks and we listen, finding ourselves personally engaged and in need of responding in prayerful living. I think a lot of times, this is probably one of the hardest parts of spiritual reading. Everything I just mentioned, meditation you could do, listening to the word of God you could do, wrestling in prayer, positive or negative you could do, but actually walking away and living what you just read. That's hard. That's hard. It actually requires a lot of humility and a great deal of faith to walk away from what you read and put it into practice. It's easier for me to do that work for us. To say, Steve told us this week we need to go out and evangelize. So I'm going to listen to Steve. But you may have read Matthew 28 this week. You may have read it on your own and you were like, that's nice. And you closed the Bible and you went along your day and you're like, yeah, I read Matthew 28. But what am I supposed to do? Actually listen? Like, what? No way. Well, you may have read in, in, in Romans 12. In view of God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And you praise, you praise God. You're like, man, your mercy is why I'm here. And this is amazing. And I'm healed and I'm loved and I'm forgiven. Offer my body as a living sacrifice? What? 
no, no way. I'm forgiven, but I'm not going to like sacrifice myself. I've been working on this personal happiness stuff and that self-sacrifice doesn't really work with that. And yet this is what we need to do if we're going to be people who read spiritually. We need to be people who could prayerfully live out God's word. And again, I want to make it very clear. That is the spirit working through us. God's spirit is calling us and moving us into action. So we're going to do an exercise. That actually is supposed to be um, 1 Kings 19, 19, verse 2 to 18. So we could just add a 1 in front of the 8. Can I get, Fred, would you be willing to read 1 Kings 19, verse 2 through 18? If you could read it with some projection, the way you always do, brother. Not that you don't project. Yeah, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 2 through 18, instead of 8. So we're going to practice this together. So first, I want us to just listen. All all you are doing right now is listening. And if there is a phrase or a word or a thought that stands out to you, jot it down. Phrase, word, or thought. Now, if you are the person looking for a phrase, word, or thought, say, God, release my mind from looking for a phrase, word, or thought. Let me just listen as I hear for a phrase, word, or thought. And if you're the person who looks to your left and looks to your right to see what else someone wrote down, just in case if you missed the phrase, word of thought, don't worry about that. This was zero in. Just you be present. Treat it as if no one else is here right now. So free yourself. Go for it, Fred. Mm-hmm. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. To verse 18. Yeah. 18. Yeah. That says 18. Yeah, I messed up. You stopped that verse. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. 
Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, Haziel, the king of Ar over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Molech, Molhawah, to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all of whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Amen. Amen. So hopefully you wrote down that word or phrase or thought that stood out to you. So here's what we're going to do. Now you can read it silently to yourself. We'll give you some time to read it silently to yourself. You heard it. You wrote down the word, phrase, or thought. As you're reading it this time, if that word, phrase, or thought comes back to you, stop a little bit and just say, God, why, why is this word, phrase, or thought hitting me this way? What is going on here? Why is this engaging me? And it's okay. Maybe you were reading this and you were like, I don't know why, but I think I'm the earthquake. Or I don't know why, but I think I'm Jezebel in this story. That's okay. You could be anyone you wanted to read about in this story. But just pay attention as you read it the second time. Like, why is it standing out to you? And write whatever it is that you got going on. So we'll start again. Let's read it. We'll read it quietly. And write what stands out to us.
So now as you've meditated on this and you're thinking about that phrase that stood out to you, maybe you found yourself, like I said, in this passage to be someone, maybe you resonated deeply with Elijah, maybe you resonated with the angel, you're, you're the person who you like, I think I'm the person who could strengthen someone when they're down. Whatever you resonated with, you start reflecting like what? What is God drawing me to this phrase, this word, or this person? Why is God drawing me to this word, phrase, or person? What am I thinking and what am I feeling about God? And it's from there I want us to transition into prayer now. Just take silent time and just ask God, like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Ask, ask the important questions like, how does this connect with my life today, God? How does this story, you've invited me to participation in this story. How does it connect with my life today? What do I need to know or be or do? Help me, guide me, show me. So let's take some time and let's pray about this passage. Let's pray about that word or phrase that stood out to you. And ask God, what does he want to do with that particular passage in your life? Amen. Now, the last part, again, the hardest part is what decisions need to be made in light of this particular passage in your life? What 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 person do you need to be tomorrow at the workplace, tonight at home, tomorrow on the campus, uh, tomorrow as you're cleaning or doing your day to day errands? Like what person do you need to be? How do you remember that you've just been invited into this story, God's big story, and you're journeying with him? That's the hard part. Now, here's what we're going to do, which is what we should all be doing as we're meditating and journeying with God and we're participation, participating with him. We're going to have fellowship. So I'm going to ask you guys, what were some of the words and phrases that, that, that stood out to you? Think, imagine this is a phone call you have. You had this quote-unquote quiet time. You just read 1 Kings chapter... 19 verses 2 through 18, you're, you made some decisions, and now you, you picked up your phone, or maybe you went over to my house, or I went over to your house, and now we're going to talk about what you read this morning. 
or what you read this evening. So what was the word, phrase, or ideas that stood out to you as you're reading this? And why? The word, phrases, ideas. No judgment. Jesse. Um, the one that stood out to me was when the Lord said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Mm. Why? Well, I think whenever God asks questions, it's always very interesting. Mm. Um, and what stood out to me is he says it twice. Mm. And like, I was like, why is God asking us this? <laughs> Mm. Um, and at first it reminded me of when Jesus asked the people like of when they were going to John the Baptist he was like what were you going to see mm-hmm. what, you know that kind of attitude mm-hmm. like what was it what were you looking for but then as I thought more about it and as I was kind of meditating on it for my own life I kind of interpreted it as like um like Elijah was seeking God, and God was like inviting him in. Like, mm. What are you doing here? What are you looking for? Mm. You know, it's, and it was kind of like more of an invitation. Amen. And then personally, just to follow yeah. this, am I allowed to follow? Yeah, this? yeah, keep going. Okay. So I think for me, the kind of decision or practicality for my life is like I need to be seeking God more. Like maybe I'm not going to walk for 40 days without eating, but. Like Elijah was obviously maybe he was discouraged, but at least he was looking for God. Mm-hmm. Like he was clearly trying to find God. Mm-hmm. And God had that kind of welcoming posture. Nice, nice. Anyone else? What were some phrases, Connor and Sarah? I think Elijah's pretty relatable in the sense that in the passage right before this, God works through super powerfully, does this incredible, crazy thing, super inspiring, and then there's a little bit of discouragement. Then he goes off and he's like. Yeah, God, I'm no better than any of my ancestors. I'm time to die. I just want to die. Um, and I definitely don't think that extreme uh, in the sense that, oh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to die. But I think I can quickly forget um, the ways that God is unique to do to do great things uh, for his sake and for his name. And I can die, bro, I'm, I'm like the worst. Mm. I'm no better than, than this or that. I compare myself to other people, totally forgetting how, how God has used even though I'm weak, how God has used that weakness for great things. And I can feel like there's nothing more I can be used for. I should just be discarded or I should just quit. So I think Elijah's, that mindset is, is really relatable. Mm. And this is why it's important, even as Connor shared vulnerably, like this is where you go to God. God, am I nothing? Am I no greater than anyone else? Am I really, why am I here, God? Like, you want to know why Elisha's here? I want to know why I'm here. Like, what is going on, God? Like, what is going on with my... This is where we could be vulnerable. If this is what he resonated with, Sarah. Um, as Fred read it, uh, the phrase that stood out to me was a gentle whisper. Mm-hmm. And then, like, as I was reading it myself, I realized that, like, before the gentle whisper, like, he was on the mountain during the wind and during the earthquake. And I was like, dang, that's, like, that's crazy to think about. And, like, then, like, really thinking about that and praying about it just made me think about his resiliency and intentionality in hearing God and actively listening for him um, and reflecting on like my own resiliency and intentionality like when I go for God and and whatever life obstacles, whatever, um, like how intentional am I with that time and like how 
Amen. Amen. Um, Anthony, you were going to share? Powerful. Powerful Sebastian. Yeah, I was going to add something similar to Sarah when we were talking about um, the, uh, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, and within those destruction, God wasn't in that. You find God in that. It was with the whisper. Um, kind of the comfort, like, although there's a lot of destruction and all that stuff, God behind the whisper, in a sense. Um, and it kind of makes me scripture where it talks about like persevering and persevering brings hope and character and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. In my mind those are the two together. Mm. But, uh, powerful. Powerful, powerful. So the the phrase that stood out to me was um similar to uh Jesse earlier, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And then the other phrase that stood out to me he answers his question that Elisha's like, I'm, well, Elisha's phrase is answered by God. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And so as Fred was reading it, I was wrestling with like, it is very lonely to serve God at times. You do feel like, you'd be like 40 days isn't enough. Elijah needs a sabbatical and maybe your 36-year-old minister needs a sabbatical too. And I'm like, I just need to get away and go find God. And I don't want him in the noise. I want him in the whisper. And as I was praying, I'm like, God, man, maybe this is what you're saying, that I need some rest. And then I started reflecting and thinking some more. And then I just felt like, okay, I know what you're saying, God. I need to go get some encouragement. I need a Jehu, maybe not a real killer like Jehu. Praise God that I don't have friends like that. But uh, I need a Jehu in my life. I need an Elisha in my life. I need people like, he, he sent him back. He's like, you're doing this by yourself. And I need you to go get some encouragement. I need you to go get friends and partners. And I was like, God, uh, I got to first lead with vulnerability and say, hey, man, you know, maybe I'm in a season where I need encouragement right now. And then go find those partners and say, okay. You ain't about to need a bell because otherwise God would have not sent me to you. So let's partner up. So that, that's, that's what I was resonating with as Fred was reading and praying. Anyone else would like to share what phrase or thoughts stood out to them and as they're resonating with this particular passage? Yeah, so Lenny. I don't know if I got this out of the scripture or if I was reading it into it. But <laughs> Amen. Like, Praise God. My, one of my mega themes, I think, for my life is, is there's a big picture, you know, and I think... Um, so the word, you know, the big picture, uh, perspective, and time were the kind of like three, three words, the concept that mm. kind of came to mind as I was reading through it because, you know, like in the beginning, of course, you have, uh, you know, Jezebel with her perspective on things, yeah, and she's just all about going after Elijah. Elijah's got his perspective on things, you know, like, like Kevin was, or uh, Connor was saying there, they had this big victory just a moment ago, but now he's you know, wanted to, wanted to just curl up and die. And 
but God has a big plan here. He's got, he, he sees the whole breadth of it, you know, from beginning to end. And, you know, and that was something that Chip mentioned mm. at, the, uh, at the retreat this weekend, too, is that you know, God is outside of time, so he, he's got the benefit of, of knowing where it's all going. Mm. You know, where, where we, have, you know, we have just our very finite uh, perspective. So I, I feel like, you know, for me, like, you know, whatever it is, whether it's whether it's relationships or finances or health or whatever, you know, like, I see things from my perspective, but there's so much, such a bigger thing going on, e- even in my life, that um, that I, I want to remember that God's got it under control, you know? Amen. Amen. Chanel. Yeah, powerful. And this is, again, where we can have fellowship with one another. You know, like this is where in First John it says test the spirit. This is if you're talking to me about your quiet time and you're talking about what God is saying to you. Maybe you're like, God is saying I need to quit this journey. OK, maybe God has sent me into your life to test that spirit. Like, would God call you to quit or would he not strengthen you in this moment? Will he not give you encouragement in this moment? As Chanel was reading, I reread that passage and. You know, you get you realize in a very humbling way that, okay, I'm afraid and I feel like God is calling me to address the fear. And in 40 days of silence, he just walks. He's like, yo, I just made this huge epiphany. I'm afraid. And it's like 40 days. No, no, no word from God for 40 days. But like um, Connor mentioned, he's still looking. He's still seeking. He's still trying to get closer. But again, this is so important that we have these conversations with one another because it forms Christ in us. I just learned so much about the particular ways we could look at this passage just through this conversation with you guys. I'm like, wow, that is true. There is a big picture happening. Oh, man, I totally resonate. Like, what are we doing here? Jesse mentioned earlier, seeking God, and we need to draw near. Sarah's like, man, sometimes we just miss God in the silence. And I was thinking, man, sometimes I'm not even quiet enough to hear God speak in a whisper. He only could speak to me in breaking rocks. You know, God's like whispers. I'm like, I ain't hear it. I got my Beats headphones in. 
which they're noise cancelers. <laughs> but I want to hear myself. <laughs> so I think it's just really important. So here's what we're going to do as we wrap up. Spiritual reading requires us to do one thing that's really difficult. Come up with a reading plan. This, this could work with anything that we, you could do it with Leviticus. You could do it with anything, but you have to have an intentional plan. And that's the hard part. You have to sit down and say, I'm going to map out what I want to read and the degree to which I'm going to read it. So maybe you're like, I want to read the gospel in 60 days. And so through 60 days, I'm going to spiritually read this. Or maybe just in a week, but you got to kind of go in with a plan. If you haphazardly just pick something, it isn't going to really work because you're, you're going in thinking, I didn't really think too deeply about where I'm going with this story. The second challenge as you do spiritual reading is conversation. I would invite you guys, if you could, if it makes sense for someone else, share a reading plan with someone. It doesn't have to necessarily be your spouse. But maybe you're like, hey, man, let's just read this thing for the next 40 days together. Like the next 40 days, we're going to read it and we're going to connect and talk about it next 30 days, next 20 days, next week. We're going to read and then we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what God is calling us to do. We're going to talk about what we're experiencing. So that would be the practical, just pick a reading plan and then fellowship about it. Talk about it. Practical 2B would be do it with someone else. Pick a reading plan with someone else. That way you, you guys are talking about the same passage like we all just did here with First Kings. And we're able to really get a lot from it together. Amen. That is the evening.